Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Justin Trudeau is wanting Russia to win the war with Ukraine? Baseball has barely started its spring training and it's already providing us one of the most hilarious moments in sports of 2024, and now we have to deal with Mary freaking Poppins being absolutely racist because 2024 wokeness. Also, the Federalist Paper Study Guy continues with Federalist number 16 under the microscope. I'm Andrew Coppins, and because all of that was insane, it means this is a WTF Wednesday right here on Critical Thinking. Yes, folks, it is a WTF Wednesday right here on Critical Thinking. As always, I'm Andrew Coppins. Do not forget to follow me on the socials. I am at The Coppins Show, unless you're on Instagram, in which case the show is there at Critical Thinking Show. With all of that having been said about uh, social media, do not forget, if you are brand new to watching this program, that means you are on X or you have found us on the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And by us, obviously, still Pat is working his magic a little bit behind the scenes and doing some things there. He's still around. Don't don't worry about it. He's just enjoying being a dad for the first time. And, and I'm not going to blame him for that. However, dude, multitask. Just kidding. Uh, with all of that said, um, I thank Pat for all of the things he does do behind the scenes. But if you are watching or not watching and want to watch, you can join us on the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Otherwise, if you want to listen to the show, you can do so on your favorite podcasting platform. Most of you love Apple Podcasts, it seems. So check it out there. Make sure you give us a follow. Make sure you give us a five-star review if you like it. Don't lie about it. If you, you know, five, four stars, whatever, one star, let us know. Let me know what you like, what you don't like about the program, and that's a very simple way to do so. It's free. It helps us grow the show, get more of an audience, just simply by downloading 
following, subscribing, all of those simple little things that you can do for us each and every day. But with that being said, it is a WTF Wednesday. We also have the Federalist Papers. So I'm not going to belabor any of the news because it is a WTF Wednesday. We have a lot to discuss there. Some of it really funny. Some of it kind of what the fire truck kind of serious moment. Others of it, um, well, we'll just say this. The Federalist Papers is the levity of the day. So we're just going to dive right on in to WTF Wednesday. Ah, the dulcet tones of whistling that my wife hates and I love. But anyway, enough about all of that. First up, though, our friends, our friendly neighbors to the north, in a real Freudian slip from Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who apparently now wants Russia to win the war. Uh, and we're stepping up uh, in every way we can because we know that Russia must uh, win this war. It's a, sorry, that Ukraine must <laughs> win this war uh, against Russia. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, bro. Bra. Bro. Bra. Like, I get it. Trust me. It happens to everybody all the time. Except for when you're on the world's stage and you're attempting to tell everybody and browbeat everybody into stepping up and supporting militarily, of course, Ukraine and to defeat Russia. You probably shouldn't then say Russia, Russia, Russia needs to win the war. I don't know how your brain operates in that space in which that ever comes out of your mouth. I don't get it. Justin Trudeau is an absolute clown, and this is further proof of it. That means Canada, as a country, is a clown country. You can make an argument the United States is because Joe Biden, well, yeah, Joe Biden. Well, also Donald Trump. So maybe the West is getting its leaders that it deserves because we're a bunch of clowns. We are very much an unserious people in a very serious time. Now, keeping with the theme of unserious, um, we go to Major League Baseball. Spring training has just begun. There have been a few games played already. And, um, well, less than a week in and... Um, we have one of the most insane inside-the-park home runs I have ever seen. So take a look. Thanks to the Detroit Tigers. He's on to this one. He skies it in the center. Who's going to catch it? Nobody. And now the ball's kicked back into right center field. Meidner's on his way to third. They're going to wave him all the way around, and he will score standing up. He circles the bases. That's right, folks. Inside the park, home run, not because it bounced off of the wall and took a weird carom and and then somebody misread that and there was nobody around for a while to pick up the ball and the guy was hustling around the bases like normal. Nah, it's the Detroit Tigers, the laughable losers in Major League Baseball these days. And trust me, as a Brewers fan, I put years and years and years of effort into following a laughable loser. 
They are no longer that. And we'll see what happens this year, but I digress. That also, folks, was one of the best scorpion kicks because if you are not watching, the person who was batting, Meisner, literally just skied one, blooper into center field, just deep enough, but also just shallow enough where he kind of put it right in the sweet spot of where the defense couldn't get to it. They attempted to. It then bounces, hits one of the guys who literally dove for the ball in the heel. He unintentionally scorpion kicks it. And if you don't know what a scorpion kick it is, is in it's a soccer term. Um, that, that would literally be using your heel with the ball in the air to, as you're diving, send it forward. That That's what a scorpion kick is. It's literally what you would think from a scorpion. Anyway, unintentionally scorpion kicks it, caroms all the way back towards the wall while all five so three outfielders plus the, I believe it was the second baseman or the shortstop. I believe it was the second baseman, but neither here nor there. Scorpion kicks that. All of them can't get to the ball, and the guy just drops his way home. <laughs> oh, baseball, you never stop being hilarious. Uh, thanks, I guess. Now, from that to the serious WTF portion of the program today. Um, I'm going to set this up by telling you this because over the weekend, there was a very serious moment that happened outside of the white house, a mentally deranged, mentally ill. Yes, absolutely mentally ill for multiple reasons. A alleged trans activist who was in the military, who was also anti-Israel decided to as they like to put it, self-immolate. What I would suggest we describe this as is uh, the dude lit himself, oh, should I call him a dude? Lit himself on fire outside of the White House and killed himself by lighting himself on fire. If that's not mentally deranged, if that's not mentally ill, in and of itself, that action, I don't know what is. But over the weekend, some in the pro-Hamas, because that's a thing, uh, in that movement, if you want to call it that, decided to tell us that um, he needed to rest in power. Never mind that that's a black term, as we were told this weekend either. But, um, but, but he is a martyr now to the pro-Hamas crowd. We got this from the insanity that is X. From Mohammed El-Kurd. You can't protest peacefully. You can't boycott. You can't hunger strike. You can't hijack planes. You can't block traffic. You can't throw Molotovs. You can't self-immolate. You can't heckle politicians. You can't march. You can't riot. You can't dissent. You can't, you just can't be. That's right, you can't hijack planes. You can't throw Molotov cocktails. You can't throw Molotov 
Is it bad when you say that you shouldn't be able to hijack a plane? I'm just asking for some friends. Is it bad that you're lamenting your inability to throw literal incendiary devices at people or places or things? Oh, and then you're asking to do that while celebrating a mentally ill person who lit themselves on fire. So so you're, you're saying that you should be able to hijack a plane? You should be able to throw things like an incendiary device at people? What the hell are you talking about? But this is the level of insanity that is in the pro Hamas movement. This is who they are. This is what they believe. Literal terrorism should be allowed, according to Mohammed El Kurd. And by the way, if you think this is a parody account, you be wrong. Very, very oh so wrong. Go take a look at it on X. If you think this is a an account that is some sort of unserious, ironic account, no, 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 no. This individual means what they say and says what they mean. Um, if the FBI was actually serious, uh, well, I have the right to speak. You are absolutely right. You absolutely have the right to speech. That also doesn't mean that um, when you speak, um, I don't know, about committing violent acts, that um, law enforcement doesn't have the right to investigate. And I don't know. See if you actually mean what you say and say what you mean and um, have you turned your words into potential action. I'm not saying you quash the speech. I'm not saying that. Yeah, free to speak, however, but you are not free from consequences of your speech. And one of the consequences should be, uh, yeah, dude, we don't, uh, we don't take... Um, Suggesting terrorism as a, I don't know, a qualifying action because you don't like something politically, we, we, we don't take that unserious. We, we take that very seriously. Just like, I don't know if you say uh, anything about assassinating the president of the United States. Like if I said that on air right here. I'm pretty sure the Secret Service, the FBI, would be all over my ass to check that thread out. And rightfully so. But, but, because we can't go a second without 2024 reminding us that we're in peak wokeness, I present to you, Mary Poppins is racist. That's right. According to Not the Bee, the headline, the UK is increasing the age rating for the Disney classic Mary Poppins, and you'll never guess why. Racism. It says in the article, in a derogatory term, in it, a derogatory term, originally used by white Europeans about nomadic peoples in southern Africa is used to refer to soot-faced chimney sweeps. That now exceeds our guidelines for U-rated films, the BBFC said. 
In the film, Admiral Boom, a neighbor and naval veteran who thinks he is still in charge of a ship, uses the word twice. What word is offensive and why would it go from you? Basically, it's their G rating there, right? If you want to compare the rating system. Well, you see, um, he used the word hot and tot. Yes, most recently, the film was resubmitted to us in February of 2024 for another theatrical re-release, and we reclassified it to PG for discriminatory language, a spokesperson said. Mary Poppins, that's right, 1964 Mary Poppins, talking about 1910s world. But anyway, Mary Poppins includes two, yes, two uses of the discriminatory term Hottentots. And you might be saying to yourself, what the hell is a Hottentot? Because um, I had to look it up. Well, it says that the Oxford English Dictionary says the term, which referred to the Koei Koha, or is it Koei Koei, and Sand Peoples, is, quote, generally considered both archaic and offensive. The BBFC said its research about racism and discrimination showed that a key concern for people, particularly parents, was, quote, the potential to expose children to discriminatory language or behavior, which they may find distressing or repeat without realizing the potential offense. Oh, my gosh, the potential for offense, folks. Hot and tots. Now, I don't want to offend people. I don't like being offensive on purpose. It's a film from 1964 talking about the realities of 1910s London. Now, is it also a reference to blackface? And thus the Hottentots reference? Well, okay, that's actually pretty racist, right? That's actually pretty racist. But the reality of 1910s London is that it was very much racist, like real racist. That's a teachable moment for parents, isn't it? Or more importantly, um, it's Mary freaking Poppins and it's a movie. It's not like Gone with the Wind. It, that, that's, that's, that, that's not a thing. But here we are. We have to worry about parents exposing their kids to this word. Here's an idea. If you're that worried about it, use it as a teachable moment to teach why that's bad and move on with life. Except for in England, exposing them to that and then they use it. Here's the problem. Um, you could be a fined and arrested for offensive language. See, you don't have freedom of speech in the UK. So there you go. We got a mess with Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins is PG in 2024. What the absolute fire truck is going on. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, before we move forward into the Federalist Papers study guide, Federalist Paper number 16, if you want to move on to, to that and check it out. Before we get there, though, do not forget, put some really great fresh roasted coffee in your cup from our friends at coffeebrandcoffee.com. That's right, coffeebrandcoffee.com, where you can go and get 50% off of their Ro Roaster's Choice Club, Jeremy's Coffee Club, if you want to call it that. And it will be an amazing, amazing thing for you because uh, you get single origin, blended, things that are not available to anybody else on the general website. They seek out and search out rarer blends and rarer origins for you to try as a member of the coffee club. And you'll get 50% off of your first month in said coffee club. No commitments. Cancel at any point in time. Do not forget to use the promo code critical, critical Thinker at checkout. That's right, Critical Thinker at checkout for 10% off of that purchase, but also 50% off of that um, coffee club. So again, coffeebrandcoffee.com. Check it out. Enter the promo code Critical Thinker at checkout. Let them know that we sent you, that I sent you, and you'll enjoy coffee from a coffee focused only business what a novel concept all right that being said it is now time for us to get into the federalist papers number 16 and that means we are continuing our look at the insufficiency of the present confederation to preserve the union because it's part de of that, Alexander Hamilton, of course, continues on this subject because, well, he has more to say, obviously. And apparently Hamilton be like, yeah, well, uh, what part of history, this is the theme of this entire essay, what part of history, y'all, um, suggests that confederacies work? I mean, quite literally, he says it. The tendency of the principle of legislation for states or communities in their political capacities, as it has been exemplified by the experiment which we have made it of it, is equally attested by the events which have befallen all other governments of the Confederate kind, of which we have any account in the exact proportion to its prevalence in those systems. The confirmations of this fact will be worthy of a distinct and particular examination. I shall content myself with barely observing here that of all the confederacies of antiquity which history has handed down to us, the Lycian and Aetian leagues, as far as there remain vestiges of them, appear to have been most free from the fetters of that mistaken principle, and were accordingly those which have been best deserved and have most liberally received the applauding suffrages of political writers. Now, what you need to know about the Lycian and the Aetian is that those leagues were actually much more 
um, well-formed than a confederacy, if you will. And it's because they had a strong overarching governmental structure from the perspective of handing it down to the state level, if you will. We'll just put it that way. But Hamilton continues because almost immediately he addresses what he believed to already be a potential problem in America because of the Articles of Confederation, and it's the two words that within less than 100 years would be prophetic, civil war. But he continues to say that this exceptional principle may, as truly as emphatically, be styled the parent of anarchy. It has been, it has been seen that, del that delinquencies in the members of the union are its natural and necessary offspring, and that whenever they happen, the only constitutional remedy is force, and the immediate effect of, of the use of it, meaning force, civil war. He's not wrong, right? Not wrong at all here. Is that his fear is that if you have to use force to enforce the terms of the Articles of Confederation from one state to the other, from one confederacy maybe of the, the northeast states against the mid-Atlantic states, don't you have a civil war on your hands? I think it's a very, very good point. But here's the good news. Hamilton notes that, well, a violent end is not always the way that confederacies fall apart. Instead, Hamilton points out that there are more natural causes to all of the breakups of confederacies throughout history. Hamilton says, This may be considered as the violent death of the confederacy. Its more natural death is what we now seem to be on the point of experiencing. If the federal system be not speedily renovated in a more substantial form. In other words, if we don't do something, civil war is in the offing. It is not probable, considering the genius of this country, that the complying states would often be inclined to support the authority of the Union by engaging in a war against the non-complying states. They would always be more ready to pursue the milder course of putting themselves upon an equal footing with the delinquent members by an immolation, imitation of their example, and the guilt of all would thus become the security of all. Our past experience has exhibited the operation of this spirit in its full light. There would, in fact, be an insuperable difficulty in ascertaining when force could, with propriety, be employed. In the article of pensiary contribution, which would be the most usual source of delinquency, it would often be impossible to decide whether it had proceeded from distinction or inability. The pretense of the latter would always be at hand, and the case must be very flagrant in which its fallacy could be detected with sufficient certainty to justify the harsh expedient of compulsion. It is easy to see that this problem alone, as often as it should occur, would open a wide field for the exercise of factious views, of partiality, and of oppression in the majority that happened to prevail in the National Council. So basically what he's saying is um, those who want to comply and then those that don't comply, you've got a problem, especially if the majority don't want to comply 
yet the minority are complying. How do you rectify that difference? Force? Compulsion? Oppression? How does that work out for anybody? But Hamilton then goes on to note that in order to keep all the stuff that he just talked about from actually happening, well, you would actually need a very large and ever-present military force. And, well, shockingly, he does not think that that, folks, is actually a good idea. He notes that it seems to require no pains to prove that the states ought not to prefer a national constitution, which could only be kept in motion by the in instrumentality, the instrumentality, I should say, of a large army continually on foot to execute the ordinary requisitions or decrees of the government. So in other words, we can't live in a society in which the only way that laws are obeyed or that the states actually enact what's going on and actually put it in practice, we cannot operate in an area in which we're doing this by force and force only. He continues to say, and yet, this is the plain alternative involved by those who wish to deny it the power of extending its operations to individuals. Again, you have to remember that we were talking yesterday about the fact that they noted that the Articles of Confederation is really about the federal government speaking to the states and not to the individuals. And that was kind of the problem that existed. But anyway, such a scheme, Hamilton continues, if practicable, at all, would instantly degenerate into a military despotism. But it will be found in every light impractable. The resources of the Union would not be equal to the maintenance of an army considerable enough to confine the larger states within the limits of their duty, nor would the means ever be furnished of forming such an army in the first instance. Whoever considers the populousness of the strength of several of these states singingly at the present juncture and looks forward to what they will become even at the distance of half a century will at once dismiss as idle the visionary any scheme which aims at regulating their movements by laws to operate upon them in their collective capacities and to be executed by a coercion applicable to them in the same capacities. A project of this kind is little less romantic than a monster-taming spirit which is attributed to the fabulous heroes and demigods of antiquity. So again, here we have it. Hey, y'all, yeah, we... We, we can't continue down the path that we are continuing down. We have to stop. We have to do something different. And oh, by the way, if you don't think that, um, are, are you willing to use force to enforce and how practical, right? How really just, how could you possibly even consider this a thing that you could accomplish? Yeah, nah. So, what does Hamilton suggest to avoid all of that nastiness from happening? Of course, a better form of government, a.k.a. the Constitution, where he notes the following. The result of these observations to an intelligent mind must be clearly this, that if it be possible at any rate to construct a federal government capable of regulating the common concerns and preserving the general tranquility, it must be found as to the objects committed to its care upon the reverse of the principle contending for the uh, for by the opponents of the proposed constitution it must carry its agency to the persons of the citizens 
it must stand in need of no intermediate legislations, but must itself be empowered to employ the arm of the ordinary magistrate to execute its own resolutions. The majesty of the national authority must be manifested through the medium of the courts of justice. The government of the union, like that of each state, must be able to address itself immediately to the hopes and fears of individuals and to attract to its support those passions which have the strongest influence upon the human heart. It must, in short, possess all the means and have um, a right to resort to all the methods of executing the powers with which it is entrusted that are possessed and exercised by the government of particular states. Basically, we must have the power to execute, which we don't currently have under the Articles of Confederation. Any form of government to be viable must have the ability to enforce, must have the ability to enact, must have the ability to reach directly to the individual, not through an intermediary like the state, which is what the Articles of Confederation really were doing at this point in time. They were so weak that, you know, they couldn't enforce military policy, they couldn't enforce monetary policy, commerce, all this sort of stuff, because, well, you had to rely on Pennsylvania, New York, whatever, pick a state, right? Pick an actual state and ask yourself, uh, was it enforceable? Were they going to actually take the legislation from the Articles of Confederation and, and the national government and do something about it to the people, right? We have to eliminate the intermediary. We have to speak directly to the individual. But at the end here, finally, Hamilton attempts to address the fact that currently part of the problem is that states are just choosing which laws of the federal level that they like or that they hate and thus whether they want to enforce them or not, as I addressed before. But he addresses here, how would the Constitution make it any different? And his answer really made me think about today's time, and hopefully it makes you think about today's time, because he says the following. If opposition to the national government should arise from the disorderly conduct of refractory or seditious individuals, it could be overcome by the same means which are daily employed against the same evil under the state governments. The magistracy being equally in the ministers of the law of the land from whatever source it might emanate, would doubtless be as ready to guard the national as the local regulations from the inroads of private litigiousness. As to those per partial commotions and insurrections which sometimes disquiet society from the intrigues of an inconsiderable faction or from sudden or occasional ill humors that do not infect the great body of the community, the general government could command more extensive resources for the suppression of disturbances of that kind than would be in the power of any single member. And as to those mortal feuds which, in certain conjectures, spread a conflagration through a whole nation or through a very large proportion of it, proceeding either from weighty causes of discontent given by the government or from the contagion of some violent popular paroxysm, they do not fall within an ordinary rules of calculation. 
When they happen, they commonly amount to revolutions and dismemberments of empire. No form of government can always either avoid or control them. It is in vain to hope to guard against events too mighty for human foresight or precaution, and it would be ideal to object to a government because it could not perform impossibilities. Excuse me, idle, not ideal. That's a key difference. It would not be idle. So basically what he is saying here is um, you have to be able to deal with the realities of people uprising through passion, through other things, and you can't do that when you only have no authority from a federal level. When you have no ability to hang on, hold up, wait a minute, we need to suppress what is really seditious. I think it's interesting because couldn't this be used against, well, those people who are not down to clown with wokeness, with the leftist bent of today's culture? Couldn't that force of government be used? Oh, wait a minute, hold up, wait a minute. It's already being done. Ask Steve Baker of The Blaze about that, as he is now uh, scheduled to turn himself in, having to wear shorts and a T-shirt on Friday morning at 7 a.m. in Dallas, Texas, for doing his job as a reporter on January 6th and continuing to poke holes in all of the things that the government has been telling you, especially in the Oath Keepers trial. And holy smokes, um, the government officials, a.k.a. the Cap Capitol Police, they lied through their teeth about what was taking place there. The visual evidence is there for everybody to see that the claims being made by the Capitol Police, the claims being made by Nancy Pelosi's head of security, could not possibly have been true, could not exist, because you can't be in two places at one time. More importantly, you also can't have them turning their backs to you and then also, at the same time, aiming their gun at you as the Capitol Police officer and looking you in the face all menacing. But I digress. The point of the matter is this. We have to think about that. Have we given the government that kind of power? Would, would Hamilton, would Madison, right? Would John Jay have thought these things to be wise, a useful tool of government. But they also noted in a fractious time, in a time in which we need to watch for like things like Shays Rebellion, the Whiskey Rebellion, and other things, right? The government needs the ability to handle it and handle it swiftly, which didn't exist prior to this. And well, folks, I think that does it for today's Critical Thinking, the WTF Wednesday edition. I hope that each and every one of you have a really great rest of your day. As always, be safe, be smart, be kind. Make sure you read all of your meals. And always, Matthew 547.